Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Iowa Everywhere, and now it's time for Two Guys Named Chris, powered by Fairway Meat and Grocery. This is Iowa Everywhere for the fans. Hello and welcome to Two Guys Named Chris here on a Monday. It is Halloween, my favorite holiday. I love that. Yeah, Halloween. your little ghosts and your goblins that you think are real. Now, do you See, think I don't know why. Are real as well. Is, I don't is know. Ghosts are, are goblins real as well? No, I'm not a goblins guy. Okay. Uh, definitely a ghost. I don't know why you had to start the show being all condescending. Iowa beats Northwestern, and you think you can just walk <laughs> on in here. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we got uh, an hour of <sighs> misery for me and. I don't really know what to take of Iowa, so we'll, we'll get into that. This will be an interesting conversation. Aren't you going to uh, say anything about my Halloween outfit? Do you know who I'm dressed as? No. Who are you dressed as? Iowa State Special Teams Coordinator. Because <laughs> you could just, you know, you just have to guess what, what that. How do you know like. what that guy? I'm just that, saying that you just they, have to guess. There's that guy that they brought in from the Rams. No, and... no, no, not the analyst. I'm the coordinator. I'm the coordinator that doesn't exist. That's what I'm dressed as today. The hassle is the, I was a pickle uh, over the weekend. Really? I was a, a dilf walking around. Dilf? Uh, yeah. Get it? As in dad, I'd like to? Yeah, but I was like a pickle, like a dill wow. pickle. Wow. Yeah. Something else. The uh, so you guys already you everybody in Des Moines already had their little shebang, huh? You're gonna yeah, so tonight. Bondurant, where we live, they broke away from Des Moines. They're like, we're not doing beggars night anymore because it's stupid. And so Bondurant does it on the Saturday because it's a giant party. If you walk mm-hmm. around Bondurant on trick or treating night, it's just everybody's got like fire pits and the adults are all drunk. And the kids are just running around. It's crazy. So they do it on Saturday every year now. And so okay. we did that Saturday. And then last night, my kids are spoiled rotten. And we don't have school today here in town because of state volleyball. What? So, yeah. I mean, you don't have school because of state volleyball. Yeah, we're all, everybody's heading east. Small town, man. Like, Wait, it's. You're- your your kids don't have school because of state volleyball because Bondurant made are in it. elementary school. Bondurant made it, so we're all going to the whole town will be in. I mean, I, Iowa City. Later. I think that's cool, and I <clears throat> I loved going to state. Uh, it when I was going to Muscatine, we would have like a girls basketball team or a boys basketball team go to state, and we would we would go, but they would still have school. Yeah, well, for not the today. People that didn't because there are a lot of people that didn't care about sports. Yeah, well, that aren't going to travel to Des Moines. Those people are losers. So they they were losers. Yeah, and we're the whole town. We didn't whole town. I'll be in Iowa City later. I'll say I'll go say hi to the Ferences for you. Yeah, <laughs> heading there later today. Another no, good so this week. So the uh, yeah, so Bondurant had it on Saturday night, and like 
there were kids from every aspect of Des Moines in town trick-or-treating. Like, we had... It was a steady stream of kids so for like So you're telling me there's hours. people that came from Des Moines. Yeah. You think they're going to double dip? So they, they travel in. It's almost like the old Seinfeld bottle deposit thing where they take the, the bottles yeah. to Michigan. Giddy up. So they it, come in on Saturday night. They trick-or-treat with you guys. And then they trick-or-treat in their own neighborhoods on beggar's night? Yep. Wow. That's exactly what... We did the same thing. So, and then my kids trick or treated in Ankeny with a bunch of friends last night. So they we're all on a I, sugar. Your high. kids did too. You, yeah. What, what the hell is wrong? And now it's Halloween, and you're not even going to do anything. Oh, we're going to state volleyball. Nope. Jeez, so, that's anyways. messed up, man. Uh, thanks to Fairway. I'm sure a bunch of people bought a bunch of candy at Fairway. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship. I am. Um, I think I'm going to do ribs at the tailgate next week. I think I'm going to put in the time and do some ribs. I'm going to go to the meat locker. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. So we'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on that when I get to the uh, fairway meat locker in Ames on okay. Friday Awesome to prep. Where are you at this week? No, oh, I'm going to Birmingham, baby. Yes, the pride. The pride of Birmingham, Alabama. Back to Birmingham. Chris Hassel. Got UTSA and uh, UAB. And, That's fun. Uh, That's two of our favorite teams here on two games named Chris. Yeah, it should be a good game. Um, UAB just lost again. I had their game at FAU uh, on Saturday night, which had two of the greatest punts I've ever seen. Dude, I saw your call on the one. It got passed around on Twitter. I didn't get to watch your game this week, but um, I, I, I saw it got tossed around on Twitter like the greatest punt ever. This FAU punter... <laughs> kicks a 66-yarder that goes over the head of the return man, lands at the one, bounces back to the four, and then trickles ahead to the one again. Perfect. So he comes up again, this time kicking from a farther distance, kicks a 71-yarder, and it gets down at the one. I, what, I've never seen anything like it. What is it with you and elite punting? Everywhere you go. It just follows me, Chris. It just follows me. Oh, good for it you. Made up for, it made up for Iowa not having to really use Tory Taylor that much. Well, and then, and then my teams, we just get our block our punts blocked. <laughs> so, so we just want to get the punt off. If we do that, we consider it a, it'll win. Uh, I guess we'll start with Iowa State because we, we... Well, hang on a second. You got John Miller in the comments accusing me of hair plugs. Oh, wow. I didn't what see that. What the hell's going on? <clears throat> do you wear hair plugs? No. I certainly don't. You can tell I don't. I'm just, no, I, I'm just clinging to everything I've got here. Maybe one more year, so, and then yeah, I'm what do you shave think it you'll do the there? You th- well, you, no, sh- you, shave you shave it every year anyway for your yeah. Paws. I do. I, I do it for the the St. Baldrick's thing, and every year it gets more and more difficult to grow back. It's like really? the Seinfeld episode where Elaine's dating the swimmer, you know, and he's always shaved his head. Oh yeah. And then he can't grow it back because she sees the picture of him. two Seinfeld references in the first uh, seven minutes of the show, Chris. Is there a Seinfeld reference to bad offense with the Cyclones? Because um, I feel like that's where we have to start today. Jeez. Unfortunately. we got to be equal here on two guys named Chris, and we've started with Iowa's bad offense for 
weeks yeah. upon weeks. So we have to do it with Iowa State. And you State know what here. we've said, Chris, is that the, as as bad as it's been in Iowa City, it's kind of helped deflect yeah. all of the all of the anger away from Iowa State. Well, this week it's not going to work. I watched the game again yesterday. I was trying to rewatch. Um, it, it was hard to watch this one. Uh, I'm. You know, I'm just of the opinion now, Chris, where you, you kind of were at the point of the season where you are who you are, right? Like, and, and mm-hmm. it's not like there's no like, oh, well, if we would have made that kick or Rick, no, I, let me give you some numbers here for Iowa State's offense. Done this with Iowa a lot. Look where Iowa State is now. Uh, and I'm I'm really zeroing in on the rushing game because that's where I think the <laughs> biggest problem here is with Iowa State. Rushing yards per game. Ranked 123rd, rushing yards per attempt, ranked 121st, total yards per play, 103rd, and giveaways per game, 99. And for reference, there's 131 teams. Correct. So some of those categories, they're bottom 10, bottom 15. This came from uh, Bloom that this is currently. Uh, if the season would end today, this would be Iowa State's worst rushing offense since 1985. So you're talking pre-Dan McCarney levels of bad rushing offense. So where does it, you know, where does it start? Where do you point the fingers? Where do you do all that stuff? Uh, strictly from a football standpoint. So clearly, there's when you're when you're this when you have numbers this bad, there's clearly more than one thing wrong, right? Like I, it's generally just the case. I, I really. Watching that game back, their offensive line, man, I, I, this might be the worst of the Campbell era. That or that performance, at least on Saturday, I think was one of the worst offensive line performances we've seen. That that's coming against a team that statistically was the worst rushing defense in the Big Big Twelve. Yeah, that's the thing. It's against Oklahoma, uh, and uh, we know they have players. We know they have talent, but. Even in their win over Kansas, they gave up 42 points. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I do believe that, you know, you're at a point here where Matt Campbell has to, you know, and we'll, we'll give him the month of November. I don't think that – I don't think doing anything right now as far as coaching decisions or anything like that really makes a ton of sense for him at this point on November 1st because – you're three and five. Like they're they're not gonna whatever. We we can get into that, but I, I do think that we're you're kind of at a point where it's a weird conversations because you haven't been bad at running the football, but you've also had pros masking a lot of this, right? Like yeah, I mean, we've if you seen had, how good Brees Hall is, and David yeah. Montgomery is still a starting running back with the Bears. I mean, th- those are two starting NFL running backs you had, and now you don't have that in. It's a big drop off. Yeah, so I mean, what do you do the the rest of the year? Like, I'm gonna keep harping it. Like, damn it, Deckers didn't run the ball until the fourth quarter in desperation time the other. And what did he do? He averaged eight yards per carry. They've got to they they're at a point, Chris, where they they can't line up and say, okay, we're gonna hand it off and get four yards. They can't do it against these Big Twelve. They just can't for some reason. They can't. So they've got to just get more creative if they want to, you know, throw Hail Mary here and maybe qualify for a bull. That seems like really, really far away at this point. 
they're still a six-point favorite against West Virginia on Saturday. Got to beat West Virginia. I mean, it just has to happen. You just you have agree. to beat them. It's not going to be an easy game. We, we've seen West Virginia. They they can. I mean, shoot. They they went toe to toe with TCU. That was a, it. Was a really good game. They had a chance to win the game at they the, in the last two minutes. They they were driving and could have won the football game. But that was that was in Morgantown. That was kind of probably their Super Bowl, if you will, with an undefeated top ten team coming to town. And now. It's let down city for them. They go on the road to face an zero and five team in conference. Iowa State's gotta gotta get this game, and and you mentioned how long it took for for Deckers to start running the football. He only ran it four times, and he was still the leading rusher on the team. I mean, <laughs> I don't think he ran until the fourth quarter either, which I don't get. Like it worked against Texas. It loosened everything up. It made mm-hmm. his life easier as a throw quarterback. Why was that not part of the game plan? I mean, he threw the ball 57 times. He's not good enough to do that, you know? Like, and he, for one, he doesn't see the field well. He's still a young quarterback. He's been in the program, but he's seen games for the first time. He, he is a guy where he has to have help. And I, I feel bad for him because there's a lot of fans who are like, oh, well, what's the backup look like? Like, I'm telling you guys, you put a – that would be a true freshman who's not physically ready or mentally ready yet or a walk-on. At, for Iowa fans listening, it's Marv Cook's boy, Ashton. Is there – I think he would be the, the, the backup quarterback. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair to anyone. I, I still think – I mean, I was talking to Sage Rosenfels, a guy who's been in the pros for – a decade. He still thinks Hunter Deckers is maybe the most talented guy to come through there, but they've got to help him out. Like he, he's seeing ghosts as we keep the Halloween theme going. Um, he's now, I think a lot of those turnovers in the fourth quarter, he was just trying to do something because nobody else could do anything. Right. Like he, I think he was pressing. They've got to find a way to help him out. I feel bad for him at this point, and he's not playing great. I mean, he underthrew that ball in the first half. It shouldn't have been an interception, but it, it, he deserved to have an interception on it. It was underthrown. Um, you know, he's not playing great either. He's turning the football over too much, all of that. But to me, this all starts with the offensive line and the inability to run the football, in this case, against a bad defense. And it's so disheartening coming off of a bye week because yeah. you, you thought you had some progress against Texas. Remember, I kept saying, and I was dead wrong here, we admit we were wrong on two guys named Chris, and I thought when you got to the bye week, Iowa State would come out and look a lot different, and they mm-hmm. didn't at all. In fact, they took a step backwards. This was their worst game of the season, was it not? Yeah, it may have been. I hadn't thought about it that way, but just as flat as they looked offensively, I think that's a very fair, a very fair statement. I do think that um, this season was kind of lost, not on this game, but on the inability to get over the hump earlier in the conference season. I think that we're still still undervaluing how talented Oklahoma is, and I do think Oklahoma is going to end up with maybe nine wins. You know, by the by, by the time we're all said and done, I don't think it's shocking either that Brent Venables' defense comes out after a bye and looks sure. a lot better. I think that was pretty expected to some degree. 
But the big issue with Deckers is the turnovers, right? Well, Mm -hmm. when you're throwing the ball 57 times, chances are you're going to throw some bad ones. That's just just too many for a team that scored – 13 points in a, in a low-scoring game, too. I mean, there were only 40 points combined in this game. And Iowa State wasn't down double digits for most of this game. No, just right at the end. And to have him throw it that much it, without, as you said, using his legs until it was too late. I mean, that's that's by far, I think, the most he's thrown the ball all season. I mean, going back and, and looking at his other numbers, he threw 48 times against against Kansas. That's the only other time he threw it even more than 38. So only one time going into that game did he throw for more than 40. He goes for f- 57 times. And I get it. I mean, if you're Tom Manning, you're probably saying, well, we couldn't run the ball. What do you want me to do? We, we, yeah. we tried. We, we, we Both of the guys, both of Iowa State's running backs – got 11 carries, and neither one of them got to 30 yards. I mean, it is offensive line related, and I think we do we do tend to undervalue the offensive line and how important it is. Just go look at what Iowa did against Northwestern last week, and that just it just goes to show you what a difference when you start blocking guys and opening up holes for, for your run game, your quarterback all of a sudden becomes a lot better, and you all of a sudden get a lot more protection with the quarterback. And Iowa State's just not getting that with Deckers. And right now, he's he's a walking turnover because of that. Yeah. I just have a lot of fans after these games and they ask, what is wrong? Well, there's there's clearly, like, I would point at the scheme and I would say they have to be more creative because they can't run the football. But at the if you're like, hey, Chris, circle a position or a spot that is the core of this, and it's clearly the offensive line. They... They needed to take a step forward this year, and unfortunately they've taken a step backwards, I would say, compared to even last year where the offensive line was a disappointment. And John Miller is just all – he's all full, full of piss and vinegar today. He says, Iowa State is not sponge-worthy. They're definitely not sponge-worthy. <laughs> Another uh, – Not this year. Sign, you know who is sponge-worthy? It's our friends at the uh, Circus Sports. Mm, mm, How's that for a segue? The, they keep giving us the good lines over there. Yeah, the best lines you can get, and we can't wait. I, I we'll, we'll know here for sure in a couple of days. But uh, two guys named Chris, I believe, will be broadcasting from out there in December for a little Cyhawk basketball. Ooh. The best property. The, are you a Vegas guy at all? We haven't talked about this. No. The strip I've, be, sucks. I've been there several times. I love Vegas. Um, I do not like going on the strip because you think of the strip and you think of it like, Oh, you can just walk from casino to no. It's like a giant interstate, and right, it takes like thirty minutes to walk from one place to another. And you got these these idiots uh, every five steps that are trying to get you to come to their little strip joints and handing you little things, putting stickers on you. Yeah, I like uh, I like downtown, and that's where Circus located. Ooh, uh, it's all right. Much more blue collar. Yes. There's nothing blue collar about Stadium Swim though. It's the best. It's the best thing Vegas has to offer for sports fans. That looks amazing. I've yeah, seen well, a lot of people post uh, pictures from there on social media, and I kind of thought we could great. Just Are we going to do, do the show in the pool? I thought we could just do it with our shirts off, just sitting there drinking, talking, talking Iowa, Iowa State That's, basketball. That, that sounds like your uh, your old Ross Peterson show, if you ask me. <laughs> 
Uh, shout out to uh, Circa. Download that Circa Sports Iowa app today. All right. Uh, the Hawkeyes, they sn- snapped out of their slump and really handled Northwestern. That game was never in doubt. It's it's there was never a point where you thought Iowa maybe I guess maybe right there in the third quarter Northwestern got within one score and you're maybe like you start clinching just a little bit but the Hawkeyes really dominated a, a bad team uh, but nonetheless that's that's progress right how about giving me some credit here for my predictions this week Chris I I said yeah, you nailed them. I said Oklahoma would win by double digits I said that uh, Petrus would start. Not on, I don't know if I said that on this podcast, but I went yeah, to Andy and said that. Well, I, but most people said it. that. But I also said I'm only going to get to watch the first half of the Iowa game before I have to go to my game, and we're going to know in that first half. We're going to know. And sure enough, four drives, four scores, we knew. That game was over. Don't give it to me in the third quarter, Northwestern cutting it to a, a score. I, that was never a game. Now the question becomes, is this the Nevada game or it, was this really turning turning some kind of a corner? Or at least, as you said, making progress on offense. I don't know that you could say they didn't make progress on offense. I just don't know that you can say it's going to make that much of a difference in these games against the Purdue's and the Wisconsin's moving forward. Because Northwestern is terrible. Yeah, they're really bad. They have one win. And it was a long time ago in a land far, far away in Ireland. I guess the bad Nebraska team. Yes. (laughs) So what I will say is I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that they they put forth that performance. And Spencer Petras looked competent. The running game was there. The offensive line had their best game of the season, no question. And I really liked what they did with putting the wide receivers in motion and using that misdirection and the jet sweeps. And and that really, I think, surprised Northwestern. Will it surprise anybody moving forward? I'm not sure. You know, you give a defensive coordinator a, a full week or more to to look at that tape and game plan for that. Maybe it's a different story. But I, I, there's nothing I can complain about with, no. with what Iowa did this week because you play the teams that are in front of you. That's a Big Ten team on your schedule every year. You might be able to c- complain about the starting quarterback and maybe maybe Padilla would have been the better choice moving forward. Maybe P- Petrus is just going to fall right back into what he's been doing his entire career moving forward. But on this day against that team, it couldn't have gone any better, could it have? No, no, and mainly too. It, it's you know, it's funny. I was I stopped at a gas station on my way up to Ames, uh, and I was on thirty five. So there, it, it's it's really cool on a Saturday morning doing that in Des Moines because you see people in Iowa gear. They're getting ready to head east. Iowa State gear. They're heading north. <laughs> and I was looking at these Iowa fans specifically, and I was like, man, these people are diehards. They're still going to go on because it's so boring, right? Like, not like, oh, they're supporting their – like, it's a, it's just a really boring product to watch. And the biggest thing I could say, if you're an Iowa fan and you went to that game, not just because you won, but it wasn't a boring football game. Mm-hmm. 
Like it was actually an entertaining football game to watch. And to them, to the to your credit, yeah, Northwestern stinks, but you do what you. They didn't, you know, they didn't win it on a game-winning field goal, right? So that tells mm-hmm. me that I was considerably better than the worst team in the Big Ten. And I guess at this point, what more could you ask for after what we saw the week before at Ohio State, where you were that much worse than the best team in the Big Ten? That was a step forward. And if that if that game would have gone sideways, if the offense didn't look good, yeah. boy, it, it, we, it would be a much different conversation right now because of Kirk Ferentz deciding to go. Oh, there's a ghost. Is that a ghost or a goblin? That is my daughter Cameron, and she just scared the hell out of me. <laughs> and then here comes my other daughter. Um, I thought that was Annabelle. <laughs> here, Cameron. What's you, going you, on? You want to say hi to say hi to Uncle Chris? Hi. <laughs> she, just, she just crawled out of bed too, so she's got a she's got bed head and everything. Um, I I was opposite of you. I was shocked that they started Kirk that they started Spencer Petrus. Really, like I couldn't believe it. I I was not on board with you. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I thought that Padilla would get the start. I I texted you right when it happened, and I was just like blown away. Like that I, again. I'm not. I can't even be critical of it. Petrus was fine in this game. I thought for sure. Like it. And again, though, I would go back to man. Like, what are you thinking in the mind of Al? If you're Alex Padilla now. Yeah, it's it's pretty unfair, right? I mean, you know how far he back only, you are at this point. He only got in. In the worst situation of the entire season, down yeah. big at Ohio State when everything was falling apart and it was a complete mess and it was a no-win situation. And I think that's why people like you thought, well, oh, Ferentz had to go with Padilla, right? No. No. When they were listed as oars on the depth chart. <laughs> you right nailed then, it. Right then, and I think most Iowa fans felt the same way. They, we we know Kirk Ferentz. I know you do too, but there was no way unless Padilla was way better than Petrus in practice, which is impossible because Petrus is is you know he's Brett Favre in practice basically. And again, Ferentz said that after the game, they they were they were they were asking him, you know, when did you make this decision? How did you make this decision? And it, again, it obviously it came down to Petrus is just better in practice. That's the bottom line. Um, it worked this week. We will see moving forward. And they said, the, the sideline reporter said, Kirk Ferentz told them in meetings, and Brian Ferentz too, that the leash for Petrus was extremely short in that game. That if he showed any signs of... And I, I would guess that it would be like an interception or a fumble, something like that. That they would have yanked him for presumably... Alex Padilla. I hope that leash is still short against Purdue and Wisconsin and Minnesota coming up. It's Northwestern, okay? You you looked good, but it was Northwestern. We're not resetting it totally to Petrus is way up here and Padilla is way down here. It still should be if Petrus really struggles early on at Purdue – he should be on a short leash. For me, if I'm just being honest, this doesn't really change my opinion on Iowa at all. Like, that's what they should have done against Northwestern. But 
You, you still have Correct. to give them credit, but like I'm not like going into this Purdue game thinking like, oh, no. they turned the corner. Like I don't, I don't. And I, I think that's the only way you can look at it. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think anything's changed either. I don't think they're going to go and win seven games. I still think they're going to lose this week at Purdue. I still think they're going to lose to Wisconsin. I'm not sure that they beat Minnesota at Minnesota. I think they might only win one more game the rest of the way. We'll see. I, I hope they prove me wrong. I think they'll get to six and six. I think that. So you think they're going to beat Minnesota and Nebraska? Yeah, they'll beat somebody. You really think that they can beat Purdue or Wisconsin? Where are they at now again? They're at... They're at Purdue this week. Yeah, they're going to lose. They're going to lose that. I think that they... They're home against Wisconsin. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Those Big Ten West teams are just like... Throw them all in a bowl. Like, they're, you know, like Not none of Purdue. these. No, I don't think they'll win this weekend. I'm wiping that one Purdue's out. Purdue's different. Purdue yeah. is a team that I'm will saying the rest on. of those teams, though, like you're just uh, like a pick six away from, you know, a uh, 16 to 10 win or whatever. <laughs> However, Iowa <laughs> puts it together. I, I just think their defense and special teams are good enough to get them to six and six in that division. I think it's possible. Yeah. I'm not expecting it. I, I I think that I think that there is a chance that they can become bowl eligible. But do we really let's be honest. At this it's twenty twenty two. Half the team I mean more than many much more than half. What is it, seventy, seventy five of the hundred and thirty one teams make a bowl game? Extra practices, Chris. Yeah, I don't know, man. I Look, if if this team accomplishes it, great. We maybe but, we can go and cover the New Mexico Bowl live. Yeah, go what, to Albuquerque. I even, the bowls have gone so downhill that I'm not even aware what the tie-ins are anymore. Things have changed yeah, they all so get much. Mixed up, yeah. I mean, we're so far gone from the days of, you know, the, the the Big Ten can go to the Alamo Bowl, and it's just the the names are different. I mean, there's a bowl game, and I was because I do the and I'm doing it again today. The bowl projections with Jerry Palm, and there was a bowl last week that he had projected. It was two top twenty five teams playing in Jacksonville in a bowl I've never heard of. It was like the GhostSlingIt.com bowl. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. No idea what it used to be. That's part of the problem. But sounds like a but, great bowl game. Yeah, go sling it. Kyle won't be yeah. in that one. I tell you that. Um, I, I, this week we'll we'll uh, we'll find out if this offense has made big strides against Purdue because they are going to have to score to stay in that game. Uh, okay, let's get to some other college football topics here on Two Guys Named Chris. This is a really big deal. The The story broke on a Sunday morning, which was the great – so a little background. I had to be in Ames early on Saturday because I got a one-on-one with Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, which was great. To, he was there? Yeah, he was there for the game. What the hell was he doing at the Iowa State-Oklahoma game? I think he's trying to get around all the campuses and go to – as many games as possible. He's, you know, okay. he's still new, so he's trying to get yeah. to know all these people and, you know, FaceTime with presidents and all that stuff. Okay. Wow, you so, got a one-on-one with him? Yeah. So I, I was hmm. going there, got there early, got about 20, 30 minutes with him, which was great. Just and, you? 
Yeah, just me. Wow. Little old Chris Williams. Anyways, I didn't know. It's, it's kind of a... Kind of, the bitch of it is I didn't know the Big 12 was going to get its new television deal. I didn't know it was like a done deal because that got reported by Sports Business Journal at about like 8.30 in the morning on Sunday, 9 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Um, so I, I couldn't talk to him about that. I mean, I talked to him about like the nuances and stuff of television negotiating and all that. Mm-hmm. But then this story breaks. Uh, so it was a hell of a 24 hours for me as far as the, the business of the Big 12 goes. This is a really big deal, Chris. Um, Iowa State basically in Big 12 schools without Texas and Oklahoma is getting a raise. I mean, they're gonna they're looking at like a bare minimum of a nine to ten million dollar a year raise in television revenue, and that could be a lot larger depending on what the playoff pays out going forward as well. And there's a couple of ways of looking at this. If you want to be negative, and this is a fair point, well, you're still X amount of million behind the Big Ten and the SEC. I have been saying from day one with all of this. If, if you're a Big 12 program, you just can't – you're not in that hemisphere now, and you can't – look, you need to be the best of the rest. And this all but secures the Big 12 stability going forward because it's going to pretty clearly be the third highest-paid conference. And we'll see what happens with the Pac-12, right, because there's a lot of stuff. To, but, but you're clearly ahead of the ACC now. And this is a really big win for a conference, Chris, that has not had stability – in decades, I don't. I mean, the last time the Big Twelve truly had stability, I would think, would be, you know, in the middle of the two thousands. And I don't even know if I would call it that. There, you don't have to worry about the the um, you know realignment crap anymore if you're the Big Twelve and yeah, for you don't recruiting have to worry about the the Iowa fans saying, well. Guys, can there'll be a spot for you in the Missouri Valley? Correct. All that's done, and it's such a big deal. And I can tell you, talking to these coaches, I talked to an Iowa State coach last night. Just being able to, you know, put this in like for a recruit and to be able to say no, like the Big Twelve is going to not only going to exist, mm-hmm. it's going to thrive. It's going to be on ESPN and Box. We're not, and I don't think it would have been a nightmare to take Amazon's money and have some games on Prime and stuff. In fact, I, I. I hope that they go that route in some form in the future. But this is a really big deal for this conference. And, again, it got buried on a Sunday morning, unfortunately. But I this, from an Iowa State standpoint, I've covered this program and this conference for 20 years now. This is, one, this is some of the best news Iowa State has gotten that I can remember. But it's not going to get played like that. Unfortunately, you're zero and five, right? It's just not getting that type of pub. But this is a a very massive deal for this conference. I love what the Big Twelve is becoming. I mean, it it, it would be better with Texas and Oklahoma, yes. But I, I love the teams that they added: UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, all schools with big upsides. With uh, you know you, we, the bounce house. Did you see UCF when they so were hosting cool. Cincinnati over the weekend? Yeah. They've got a great fan base a great atmosphere Cincinnati packs the place Houston is is up and coming you know they're they're having a little bit of a disappointing season um, but they have a, a nice new facility we know what they do in basketball with final four teams and BYU amazing atmosphere at BYU on Saturdays 
I, I, I love what the what the Big Twelve is and and what what it's going to be in the future. And you know, as a Big Ten fan, I it's great that the schools are making money. How does that help me? What, yeah, is it, what does it do for me? You're adding UCLA and USC, and you've got Rutgers and Maryland. And how often are you going to play the actual Big Ten schools? How often are you going to play Michigan and Ohio State and Michigan State? And and even you got, might have schools like Illinois that aren't protected anymore, like maybe Wisconsin and Minnesota that, that aren't protected anymore. And I. The Big 12 is just, um, I think it has a lot of potential. And I think they went to the right places where where the big t- you're adding UCLA. Compare UCLA's atmosphere at a game, fan support, passion to BYU. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that UCLA is a much, 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 much bigger brand. But, man, it, it's going to be cool to go play at BYU and play it at UCF and you know in the Big Ten I I, is it it fun going to Rutgers Maryland UCLA I I don't know so that I did talk to your mark he kind of brought it up because I was trying to go a different route with him not asking the same questions that everybody else has yeah you're an outside the box man the um we're talking about expansion like if they Did you wear your into... Dilf costume when you interviewed him? No, I, I want. Here's the funny thing: you said that if I hadn't had that interview, I probably would have worn it to the press box. I've worn Halloween costumes to the press box before. I try and keep it light, you know. Mm-hmm. Those damn press boxes are so sterile; drives me crazy. Just smile, somebody. Can you just have a good time like you're at a football game? Anyways, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I I I don't like the press box. No, I'm I glad I don't have to do that as an announcer. I can go into the TV booth where the window comes open and you feel like you're out with the fans and you yes. get the atmosphere. You're not all enclosed in, in, in. I don't think fans realize how no. sterile that environment is in a press box. Fans think it's, it's like great place to watch a not, game. It's, it's not. not. It's not right. like it, you're in a suite where you can go outside and kind of sit with the fans and have the doors open and all that it's like quiet you hear the you hear the writers over there just chowing down on the food farting oh god have you ever walked into a press the jack tri stadium it's a little different than kinnick the jack tri stadium press box bathroom only has one toilet or two toilets <laughs> it's it's very small the stench of sports writer farts in oh that place is just horrific because it just kind of and there's no there's no air conditioning in the trice one either so the like when they're farting you know that it rises it is just kind of like there's floating no air around. conditioning in the press box no not at trice well thank god they got this new big 12 deal yeah <laughs> put some of that money into the press box for god's sake there's no air conditioning no my God, the, wrong with you guys? those those early September games are brutal, and you know, and a lot of us, you know, sports writers, we're not in the best shape. <laughs> it's actually a little terrifying. You look over there and sweating. Anyways, um, jeez, I your mark was talking. So the point I made to him, and I I've made this point before, but that the Big Twelve schools that are left have all been told. 
for a decade plus that nobody else wants them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they're kind of like, but they're also all like, find me a school in this current big 12 that like where their fans aren't crazy in some capacity, maybe not in every sport, but like, but they're rabid fan bases. And I told him, I was like, it seems to me like this is as unified as I've ever seen the league. And he said, you're absolute." he like interrupted me because he wanted to jump in on this so badly. And he, he pointed out, and we'll see, but if they do expand, that the number one thing for them, other than revenue, of course, it has to make sense revenue-wise, is like fit and culture. Which tells me, like, I don't think that they're just going to bend over backwards to get like Arizona State. Right, like mm-hmm. I, I think that you, they'd actually be better off taking like Arizona, who smaller town, you know, really great elite basketball program, but like the fans are just more engaged in Tucson than they are in Phoenix because you don't have the Suns and you don't have the Cardinals and you don't. Right, I, I don't know. I, it was really insightful. Uh, I did post that podcast. It's up on the Cyclone Fanatic one, and I'm going to write some stuff about it today. But just all in all, a really, really positive day there. And yeah, came. Came out of nowhere. I did not expect it on a Sunday morning. I thought we were going to get that news in the next couple of weeks, but big deal. Um, some other notes from around college football. Um, boy, it, 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 as we stay on the Big 12 topic, really, it, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic, really good reporter, tweeted on Sunday night that he thinks that this current Big 12 is the most unpredictable conference he's ever seen in his career and he was referencing the Kansas State 48 to nothing beatdown of Oklahoma State. That made no sense at all. Oklahoma State didn't even get off the bus. We we both thought that that was a weird line. It's one of my Oklahoma locks of the State, week. <laughs> should we cuz Kansas State had all the injury concerns. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I'm surprised Oklahoma State didn't drop more in the polls. Like, I thought they might drop from nine all the way out. I think they only dropped nine or ten spots. But Jesus, you get beat like that, you're a top ten team? It was horrible. It's not not like Kansas State is Ohio State. No, they had a backup quarterback. I... They had a backup quarterback and polls all over their roster. Yeah, I... I don't and know then, how you explain it. Now you got TCU and Kansas State atop the rankings. Might get a rematch of that game in the championship. The um, other Big Ten story I kind of wanted to hit on before we get to some NASCAR. Boy, this uh, this Michigan Michigan State fight. Did you see that after yeah. the game? My God, um, I, I don't know what the how do, how does this even happen? So I don't know what the Michigan guy. So apparently there's like a tunnel that they all like come in and out of. Right. So like at other, most stadiums, you have two areas where one team will go in one direction and the other one goes another. Apparently Which this is, is how it should be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're playing a violent tunnel, <laughs> violent game. So, and I don't know, I'm sure we're going to learn more, but this one Michigan guy is like, Entering this tunnel at the same time as the entire Michigan State team, and then they—you you saw the video there, and they all just jumped him. And I—I'm gonna withhold judgment because while while there's no place for trying to kick and punch this guy when he's by himself, 
with no help. Yeah, did you have helmet on? I, I, we don't know what this Michigan guy was doing or what he was saying or if he had anything coming to him. Yeah, I don't know. What if he did that all on his own? He went in there yeah, and he was I, I don't know. talking shit to these guys. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know if he did that or not. Jim Harbaugh is pissed. They got the police involved. I'm glad they that somebody got that they, guy out of there. Mel Tucker suspended like four players so far. Uh, but you know the Big Ten's going to be probably issuing more. More than that. My biggest point here, just from a football standpoint, is the fall from grace that Mel Tucker and Michigan State have had over the course of a year. They had one good season. You had a great running back in Kenneth Walker. I mean, look what he's doing in the NFL right now. He's probably going to be the rookie of the year. The runs he's put together for that team, amazing. But to pay him $100 million because of one season? I mean, we knew Michigan State wasn't going to be what they were last year. Did we know that they would be maybe last place in the division bad? Maybe not. They're sitting there three and five overall, one and four in conference play, and they're getting their asses kicked. Mm-hmm. I, they lost by 29 to Ohio State, by 22 to Michigan, by 27 to Minnesota. They lost by 14 to Maryland. Washington beat them by multiple scores. The, ah. They made their bed. I mean, they, they they paid the guy. They better hope he can turn this thing around because they and, suck. And unfortunately for him, too, the, I, 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 bet I read a bunch on this over the last 24 hours and the the view from above is that is, the, you know, his players assaulting that guy like a direct reflection of his program so like not only are you losing but now it looks like things have completely unraveled yeah. as well yeah and, and I, who knows what happened yeah, there we'll I, see. I'm gonna, again i'm gonna withhold judgment just before until the facts come out it looks really ugly i it sounds like the michigan guys are all right thankfully i think they had like a broken nose i think i read something like that but because that that could have been bad i mean you get you get embarrassed in a rivalry game and mm, yeah, they, they should do something about it, no question. But let's 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 hold off judgment until we get more of the facts. The uh, other thing, so is the I wanted to show everybody this entrance that Tennessee makes. This is the single coolest thing I've ever seen in college football. They the way like the the lights are out, the band like separates, and there's a T that they form in the middle of the field with fireworks. Tennessee is right now the coolest program in college football. I will go on the record right now. I'm that is badass. What a brand they are building down there with Josh Heupel. And they've they've always come out in the T, but I've never seen it black out like that yeah. and with the fireworks. Yeah. So and cool. I, I don't know if that was only because it was a blackout uniform night. You know, they had the black uniforms Halloween weekend. I'm not sure if they always do it like that, but God, that was great. And it was kind of like the scene after they beat Alabama with the fireworks going off. And man, they love their football there. They put a lot of resources into that thing. I, I love it when Tennessee's really good. There's certain programs where I just, I like it when they're really good. And Tennessee football is one of those. Because growing up in the 90s, I always loved, Tennessee always played at night. They were always in that night game on ESPN in a big game, whether it was Peyton Manning or before that. 
they had the best fans. Yeah. Pack that place, 100,000 strong. SEC, it's good to see the SEC East is good again. Even Changes Florida things. still sucks, but you got you got Tennessee yeah. and Georgia, and they're playing this week in Athens, and it looks like Tennessee might be up to the task. I mean, what they've been doing recently, they they have the best resume of anybody in the country. They are what currently they just did to Kentucky. I think I just saw that they are tied. I think them and Ohio State are tied in the AP for poll. second in the AP poll. But they, I think the the playoff rankings come out on Tuesday. I think Tennessee is going to be number one based on their resume. I would put them number one. Would you, if you had a vote? I think just based on the resume alone. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I think I, I would too. I, I probably would. This one for me, the Kentucky, that was kind of a prove it game to me. Mm-hmm. Because they played UT Martin last week after the Bama win. It was like, yeah, that was really, really impressive. Because Tennessee's well coached, good defense, elite quarterback, and. Uh, Tennessee made Kentucky just look bad. And how much better does the the win at LSU look too? LSU is a top fifteen team now, I believe. They went in there and they won forty to thirteen. God, that smug ass Brian Kelly can coach everywhere he goes. He can, and and he, everywhere. And that's he this goes. week too. Alabama at LSU in a game that's probably going to decide the SEC West. Ole Miss still might have a say, but. Alabama at LSU and Georgia hosting Tennessee the same weekend. Whew. Hard to get much better than that. The uh, last thing I had. Oh, and we not- have Ohio State at Northwestern, Chris, in case you forgot. Oh, Northwestern God. gets to play Ohio State now. <laughs> what do you think the line for that is? I mean, it's at Northwestern. 30? Thirty-one. So have ten Northwestern fans in the stands. Thirty-one. Really? For a Big Ten road a game, Big Ten team is at home and they get are they getting thirty-eight points. That is crazy. I would probably still take Ohio State. Yeah, I made the mistake of taking Ohio State this week against Penn State. They almost backdoor covered. Almost. Couldn't. Get I had them in a teaser, so they were. By the way, last Saturday, the worst sports betting day of my life. Horrible, really horrible. I I think I got like did two. Did you games take right. the Iowa Northwestern under? I did. Oh boy, got sucked right in. Not very often I can brag about NASCAR. Did you see this? That was awesome. And, I, <laughs> and I'm not a racing fan at all. I so I originally we're playing Brock's playing the video right now for us if you're watching on on YouTube but if keep not, playing that Brock just keep playing that for us so I originally I, I was on Twitter and I saw somebody had made a gif so it wasn't like the actual video and as and I couldn't figure out what was going on because it looked like this guy on a caution lap like lost control of his car and the brakes didn't work. So I thought he was trying to slow down his car by ramming it up against the wall and trying to avoid running into the back of the other cars. And then I see the video full speed and no, this is the last lap and he's passing all these cars by ramming up against the wall and flooring it. And the craziest part is the, the last car that he passes, number 11 right here, okay? In the FedEx. Right there. That's Denny Hamlin's car. 
hassle. So next week is their championship week where only four drivers advancing can go to the championship. Number one, all he had to do was pass number 11. Or not all, that's what he had to do to get into the championship four, and that's how he did it on the last corner of the last lap, and that got him into the championship race. And that's how why insane he did it, right? That? He yeah. knew he had to pass Denny Hamlin. That was Hamlin, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I, I've just – you're talking about thinking outside the box. That, did you see his quote after the race? No. He goes – they asked him – where did you think of a move like that? And anybody like our age, probably not you. I can't see you playing NASCAR games. But he goes, Yeah, yeah, I played the NASCAR uh, game. He goes, Well, I played a lot of NASCAR 2005 on the GameCube yeah. growing up. And I'm like, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, because in in the games, you know, you would you would bang up against the wall all the time. You would hit that yeah. wall because you'd you'd floor it, and and you'd still keep going. You'd be fine. And man. That that's that's pretty damn cool what he did, and that's gonna make me a little interested to see what he does yeah. in the championship. He that was a great day for for that sport, no doubt. They don't get because here's that the thing about buzz. racing. You know, you, you see these cars, st- stock cars, so they all look the same, and you're just like, ah, I don't know. Is it is it the car? Is it the driver? You know, what are they really doing that's special? Because you don't know unless you're in a car like that what they're actually doing and how hard it is. Mm-hmm. But when you see something like that, that's totally outside the box, I, I, I think that was, that was maybe the best maneuver in racing history. I, it is definitely in the long history of that sport. That is like a top three moment. I think it's like iconic moments. Cause the thing is how he like, if he just would have done that in a normal race, it would have been really, really cool. And we all still would have been talking. The fact that he passed Hamlin, mm-hmm. you know, by a nose at the finish line, the way, and it worked. Like, it did exactly. That's the only way he could have gotten into this next round of this playoff. Like, it just is It's an iconic moment. Like, I, is that going to change racing? Well, so they're already talking about that. And because the you know kind of the purists out there like well we can't have guys doing that all the time Uh uh-huh because that's one it's probably pretty dangerous (laughs) i would assume (laughs) have you have you seen the in-car camera like from in his car he basically said he goes yeah i just threw it into the wall and i closed my eyes and i was yeah because the flaps are coming up yeah it because when you see it from the wide view it almost looks like it's pretty easy right i mean you can't you can't but when you see the in-car view you see how i mean that car is acting like it's in a crash it looks like it's sped up Mm -hmm. like the video and they also that was the fastest lap in the history of martinsville speedway yes i think it was was the fastest lap that you when you I, i was looking at the last lap uh statistics and like most guys were running that last lap somewhere between 20 and 21 seconds and he did it in 18 yeah which on a a half mile track is a massive massive difference yeah i don't know it'll be so there's a lot of the purists and stuff the older racers that are like yeah like that was a really cool move but man we we can't like i hope people don't start doing that all the time and so I just wonder if NASCAR, like in the off season, will make a rule against that because, you know, 
You go a to a track against just riding, flooring <laughs> it against the wall. Well, if you did that, like any, you you have to do it on the last corner because it tears your car up, right? And and also it it's spraying debris out over the rest of the track. Mm-hmm. Good to point. Like, you know, like that guy's car is torn up. He didn't start doing that until turn three and four, right? The, yeah. That that he did. He, it's not like he did that the whole lap. It was no. midway through that last lap. He just put it up against the wall, and I, God, that's what, what a badass! <laughs> he is a that this guy's background. Ross Chastain is his name. I don't think we've ever. I've never even heard of this guy. He's he's a farmer. Like he's, he's a seven. He sounds like a country singer. He is a going to see Ross Chastain tonight. <laughs> he's a. They always talk. He's a he's a watermelon farmer, and what? his yeah. So when he was coming up through the ranks. Whenever Ross Chastain would win a race, like in the truck series or the X, that somebody would come and give him a watermelon, and he'd go up on top of his car and he'd spike it down <laughs> and smash who it was on a the comedian. Well, who was the comedian Gallagher that used to smash watermelons up on stage? Oh, I don't know who that guy is. I've never, I don't know that. But anyways, it was cool and it, it got a lot of buzz. All right, I well, really did not think that we would talk about NASCAR on two guys named Chris unless I was just bashing it. But I'll allow this one today. That was cool. That I mean that on an NFL Sunday for NASCAR to get the type of pub that it did, something crazy has to happen. Yeah. And it did, baby. All right. Well, we will be back on Thursday to see if Iowa State can get off the schneid. Hawks w- at Purdue. Oh, we this is the Charlie Jones game. Oh god. Let's talk about that. We'll see what that brings to us. <laughs> I forgot oh, about god. that. God. Do Charlie's. that all week. And so now, did you see did you I, I'm not sure if you did because you had the Iowa State game. Did you see how the ESPN broadcast started the Iowa game? No, I didn't. I mean, I've watched the Iowa game, but I didn't I fast-forwarded through all that all that stuff. They came on the air by showing video of like a a 1920s game between Northwestern and Iowa in black and white with like the old, the, the you know, the music from the 20s. And, and they showed Iowa coming out of the tunnel in black and white. That's how they were hyping the game. If you like football from the 20s, you're going to love what we have for you today on ESPN. I did notice that the guys calling the game, is it just a play-by-play thing for you guys where you just want to be ultra positive? Is that like, because these guys are all like, oh, this Iowa offense isn't too bad. Look at this. They're making progress. Like, it was like they were cheering for Iowa to just have any offensive success whatsoever. The network's... Duke. Well, the networks are partnered with the conferences. Yeah. So, in, in essence, they're partnered with the schools. And so they want you to paint things in as positive of a light as you can. I think it's up to the announcers to and the, and the production crew to make sure you're also being fair and not being, um, not being a cheerleader and yeah. showing the whole story. And I think... I think that they do that for the most part, but I will say it does it it does put the announcers in a different position compared to a just a regular fan during the week because you are sitting down mm-hmm. and speaking one on one in a lot of cases in person with these coaches. 
and some of them in battle. You usually meet with the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. Sometimes you meet with players as well. It humanizes them. You have yeah. uh, a connection with them. And so they kind of have a different perspective. And they also, they don't want to say anything bad about them that would make these coaches um, not want to talk to you in the future. Or It's a tricky deal. It, yeah. it is. It is. So I think that's why a lot of times you'll hear these announcers sound like they are, you know, trying to put lipstick on a pig, so to speak. Yeah, it was it was quite the, it wasn't Matt Millen. But well, yeah, it, that's a little that's that was next level. The Matt Spencer Millen. Petrus is a good quarterback. Let, you idiots. Listen here, fans. If you think that Iowa would be any better with any other quarterback, you are sadly mistaken, because this is the best you're going to do. And I'm telling you right now, this kid is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in college football. So be happy with what you got. Morons. Uh, that was the, was that right. the Nevada game that he kept. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, and it was accentuated because that game just took so long, and we were all like, by the end, if you were still watching it, you were drunk and delirious, and then you have Matt Millen preaching at yeah. you at and one not, o'clock in the morning, and not taking into account that Nevada is one of the worst teams, <laughs> one of the worst fifteen teams, maybe the worst five teams in all of college football. Oh, and that's God. what I think. I saw a lot of Iowa fans are trying to trying to take into account that this was against Northwestern. This wasn't this wasn't uh Wisconsin or Purdue or even a Maryland. This is a really really bad Northwestern team that's a 38 point underdog at home this week. It was glaring to me as we wrap things up that the, Pat Fitzgerald long thought of as one of the best coaches, not only in college football, but football. Really highly regarded guy, and God, they're bad. I don't know how they, you let it slip this far. I mean, he's had yeah. some bad seasons. Jeez. Like, he would have a three-win season, and then the next year they'd bounce back and somehow win the West. Man, they, this is as bad as Northwestern has been since, I think, pre-Fitzgerald. And he's been there. I think he's the second longest tenured coach. I know he's the second longest tenured in the Big Ten, but he's getting up there in the country as well. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Good show today. Appreciate it. Brock, thank you for filling in. You are the man. Uh, good job, buddy. Good job, Brock. Thank you so much. Thanks to Fairway for sponsoring two guys named Chris. We will be back on Thursday morning at 830 here in Iowa. Thanks for listening. Have a great Halloween. Iowa everywhere.